So Jim, the future of the Fife buy-to-let market in 2024. Here we are then, the future of the buy-to-let market in Fife. Well, buy-to-let market in general, just right across the whole of the country, to be honest. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's probably in a dire situation right now in terms of buy-to-let. It's the, it's the only time um, we're probably in a position as landlords where we're vilified, demonised, uh, assaulted, spat on, and uh, and just generally in a complete minority. Um, and I will yeah. say the minority. If you had a population, for example, in Scotland of 300,000 people, and you said mm. that's how they would have been treated, you'd be outraged. But because yeah. we're private landlords, all of a sudden, okay. it doesn't really <laughs> matter that much. I know. Yeah, you're right, Jim. And yeah, it's not just five. The UK property market is facing significant challenges. Um, and as the availability of homes for rent, has started to plummet to its lowest level as it's been about the past five years, that then exacerbates the difficulties tenants face in finding affordable accommodation. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, affordable accommodation is everything. Uh, this is the time where private landlords are going to be essential to every government. Uh, it has now been declared by the SNP, by Labour, by Conservative in Scotland, that rent controls actually did more damage than good. Well, we knew that. Now, can I just say, I hate to say it, but the expression no shit, Sherlock, springs to mind. <laughs> it does, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It's like we've been telling them this for them since the very beginning, the government, uh, the rent controls just don't work. They actually make it worse for tenants. They actually push rents higher. And they actually, um, they actually then what happens as well is landlords have to cut back because they're squeezed between the margins of the increase in, uh, in their prices and the costs that they've got as well because you know we still have costs to bear um, yeah. and therefore um, they're also squeezed from both ends and they're caught in the middle so the only thing that suffers is the most is, is repairs and improvements i would say repairs doesn't really suffer because it's essential but i think it's improvements that it, it, it suffer as well as a result of that and and that's what the the, the governments didn't understand and hopefully and I think the English government, the UK government, we call them, um, understands that completely because Michael Gove made it apparently clear that, well, nobody doing rent controls anytime soon in England. That's yeah. just, uh, you know, we, we're no, we're not that daft. We don't, we don't buy into that, and we realise that will damage the market overall. And that is the last thing you want to happen in a, a rental market, um, especially when you've got in Scotland, for example, homelessness is at its highest rate yeah. ever. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Jim. And where landlords have been hit hard and then been unable to carry out um, improvements and things where they usually would have, it's then ultimately the tenant that's suffering. Yeah, every single time. Uh, Whatever the government does in terms of private landlords, the tenant always suffers as a result. Because um, yeah. if, if you make it impossible for a landlord to trade, then the landlord has to sell, therefore the tenant goes. Now, I've just completed on 30 properties today, and that's where you got them. 
but 30 people, 30 tenancies have been maintained as a result of that. Or these 30 properties, if I hadn't taken them over, would have been sold back into the into the yeah. sales yeah. market. Therefore, 30 families would be displaced right now and be homeless as a result of that. Yeah. You need private landlords to yeah. keep and things going. And our attention, Jim, is to invest, though, obviously, as a, as a team to invest in that stock and and really put a lot of money into that and of for the betterment the of, point. yeah yeah for the betterment the whole of point is just uh, you know when i spoke to them about it when they were when we were, i was having a chat with them it's like the the whole point actually is not to make loads and loads of profit for me so i can go and buy a flash car or anything like that it's actually to reinvest back into the stock and actually improve the uh, property for the benefit of the tenant overall now that doesn't necessarily mean to say for the cynical people that we're going to immediately put the rents up that's not the point because the numbers work as they stand anyway so i don't yeah. see any compelling reason why i need to put rents up as a result of that but we have to bear in mind that patrick harvey has taught us every single year you should put your rents up that's what patrick harvey of the green party the minister for tenants has actually taught private landlords now, was that is that a benefit to the tenant, or is that a, is that a, is that a, a, you know is that not a benefit to the tenant? Yeah, that well, we know the answer to that question. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's alarming trend of uh, the lowest level of um, rental homes in the last five years, and the difficulties tenants are facing uh, for finding affordable accommodation has really been highlighted in some recent analysis, which mm -hmm. revealed two thousand and twenty three only. 261,542 to be precise private rental homes were available for rent in the in the whole of the UK marking a steep yeah. decline from the 379,459 monthly average of rental homes available in 2020 now that's, that's a um, that actually Richard that that is actually when you, when you look at that number you think 261,542 uh -huh. is actually quite mm -hmm. a lot of rental properties available right throughout the whole of the UK and, and but then when you put it into perspective like what you said you know mm -hmm. against 379,459 available in 2020 before lockdown then that really paints a picture you know what percentage is that in terms well, of the, I was just terms of the say, drop? that's a drop of about 31 percent which really underscores a worrying trend and it's really developing over years I mean 31 percent that's about a third why do you think that why do you think that's happening well the scarcity of rental properties is occurring against a backdrop of increasing mortgage costs for landlords mm -hmm. like we've just obviously spoke about which in turn then places additional pressure on the rental market so yeah. high interest rates coupled with high demand for rental properties have led to significant increases in rental prices um, mm -hmm. and that obviously rising from um like about 1343 pounds in 2020 to that's, that's per yes, month rent that's the per yes, month rent yeah, yeah. rising to 1739 per calendar month in wow. 2023 which is then an increase of, of 29 percent in rents uh, making it increasingly difficult for tenants to find affordable housing and that's the point though but when you think about it property prices have actually gone up just the same as well mm -hmm. so if you put it into context of the increase in property prices since the beginning of the pandemic it's actually yeah. gone 25 to 30 percent in some areas anyway so mm -hmm. property prices have gone up 25 to 30 percent so why wouldn't rents then go up a similar in the similar vein um and we'll, we'll look into that what, what's 
But what do you think's really causing that? Is it really down to the scarcity? It probably is, eh? It's probably yeah, down. I mean, but then why? You know, this is what I, this is what I don't understand. I still can't put my finger quite on it. How is it possible that at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, there was three hundred seventy-nine thousand properties available per month in, in the UK, but now there's only two hundred sixty-one thousand? It's a, I mean, the thirty-one percent drop. How is how did that come about? Did everybody suddenly get a change of heart in lockdown and think to themselves that I really need a house to myself now? Yeah, possibly. I mean, there's a probably a, there's a probably a combination of things. Um, do you know people change their views on how they live? Um, there's people been selling up. There's because there's a lot yeah. of contributing factors to that. Um, and um, I mean, obviously, the combination of reduced availability does really escalate, uh, and the escalating costs does really cause challenges um, for them. Uh, a challenging environment, really, for rent renters as well, as they find fewer and fewer available properties. Uh, and when they do find them, they're at that higher rent level. But this is down to the old adage about when people turn around and say, um, you know, tenants, for example, or anybody, you know, on that sort of side, because it's kind of, it kind of, it kind of feels like there's two, you know, there's two sides. We're either on the tenant side or we're on the landlord side. It's like it's, it's, it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't so, be mean, that sort of. There shouldn't, shouldn't be that divide. Um, so it's it's almost like from their point of view, from the tenants' side point of view, or the or the bodies that represent them, it's like we should never be allowed to pass these costs on to the tenants. And it's like, okay, go and own your house then, and you'll get the cost passed yeah, on to you anyway. Issue, yeah. Yeah, 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 and and even worse, you'll have to pay for all the repairs, and then you'll have to pay for improvements over time as well. So that's even worse. So there's you know there's and the, but the bent and then the entry and exit cost of home ownership is prohibitive if you're only needing your property for at least two years because you're only in the area to work for a certain amount of time or you've got another job somewhere else because your job is quite unique you have to move to other areas of the country in order to um, in order to in order to improve your career or advance your career or it's maybe a short term um a short term placement you're in because it's maybe allocated by the government on funding so these are the sort of things that the private rented sector actually pick up and it's difficult for the social rented sector to pick up because social rented sector tends to be extremely long-term tenants. Um, but it still doesn't get away with the fact that there's so many social houses actually still sitting empty. You yeah. know, in Fife, for example, and right across the whole of Scotland, right across the UK as well, how, are, how on earth are they sitting empty? And it's usually down to the turnover, you know, the natural, the natural affliction of turnover. In other mm -hmm. words, they're sitting empty because they've got to improve them, refurb them for somebody to move in again, or they've got to turn them around. So it's a lot down to the the uh, the critical path. It, the, the, the council, yeah. it generally it generally thinks it's the it's the councils that actually have the 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 stock. It's it, it are sitting available for rent. It's their timeline that they have to uh, uh, adhere into. And and I've I'll have to say that. The council's not exactly quick at doing anything, are they? <laughs> They're steeped in bureaucracy, yeah. I would think, um, for certain, you know, for certain things. And and even though they'll, they'll, they'll take decisions like they'll, they'll rip out brand new kitchens and they'll completely redecorate a house is 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 fine for the private rental sector, and yet they want a certain model and a certain type of tenancy, and this is what some of them do, and that's what delays everything. It's, so they should really get them turned around a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah it's the computer, computer says no thing. That, computer yeah, says no. We have the councils yeah. need to turn around their stock a lot quicker. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, you know, Jim Asti and uh, an ex-local authority house, 
and there's one same model as mine really popular two bedroom semi-detached house in the area and it sat empty for so long um there is now a tenant in it but the best part is i mean it's way last year there was an old guy in it and they passed away and whatever and i think god they turn around on that and it didn't have to take that long typically as well when you think about it there's been a lot of properties i think in my opinion this is just my opinion that have actually left to go into the, ser- yeah. the, the service accommodation sector. So normally they were in the mm-hmm. private rented sector, but they've gone to the service accommodation sector. I've got somebody on TikTok as well saying they've changed their plans and started to add to their portfolio, buying up one bedroom flats in Edinburgh. You know, and, and again, that's that's the, and, and they're getting calls every single day for people looking for property. And we're getting on social media all the time. There's, I think it's every every, every second day, every other oh, yeah. day, we're actually getting people tagging us saying, you know, we're looking for a flat to rent and people are, are, are recommending us to, to to do that. And and we're having to point them in the right direction or we're just needing to give them a link to our website. That's all we're doing and hope for the best that something matches them. Because again, we are in the same situation. We have the lack of supply. Um, it's, 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 it's challenging right now. Um, so what, what else have we got to uh, say on this about the future of the buy-to-let market then? Yeah, and I think just as we talk about tenants and things, and you, you're absolutely right, Gemma, and I'm, as much as we um, work for our landlords as clients and investors as clients, we are, I take my duty of care for tenant, tenants very serious. And I think yeah. if you don't look after your tenants, then you're, you're not going to have um, a functioning um, buy-to-let property or portfolio. Yeah. Um, anyway, but this is also but, down yeah, the difficulties to, tenants face. Uh, it really is. This is also down to the as what you're about to say about the difficulties that tenants are facing and the compounded financial pressures of the yeah. you know the landlords' mortgages going up. Because let's be honest, landlords aren't flush with cash. This is what people don't understand. Most properties no. are actually mortgaged in the in the private rented sector, and and they've the landlords themselves have seen uh, affordability of mortgages um, sharply uh, decline sharply, uh, and this has led to a revaluation revaluation of their business models for some landlords, with the resultant divestment from rental property portfolios in some cases. So they've actually exited the market and thought. I'll get a better return elsewhere. Um, the impact on this market has been profound with the average buy-to-let mortgage rates experience a sharp increase, further exacerbating the challenges landlords face and, and tenants, face, tenants face overall. So yeah. this is the rhetoric behind it. And this is what I talked about in the beginning about the fact that it's difficult for landlords to pass that cost on when in actual fact, the tenant should actually be taking that cost on because it's because the because the tenant gets the the tenant gets the luxury of being able to walk away from the tenancy with 28 days notice anytime they want with no real financial ties whereas our owner occupier doesn't have that luxury at all so that's one of the huge benefits of renting property plus the fact they've got access to all their cash at one point and the classic example is if you've got a big house you're living in right now, if you've paid off, then you could easily sell that, move into rented accommodation for the next 10 or 20 years. And you probably have a huge chunk of cash still left to invest from your yeah. house that you've just sold off with no mortgage. So there's 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 a lot of pros um, for renting, but there's also a lot of you know downsides of renting as well. You know, if you're going to say long term, then you know a lot of people say it's money in the fire well mm-hmm. again you've got the luxury you could walk away anytime you want or you could move 
I mean, how many people are this is a, this is an interesting conversation. This is an interesting question, and I'll be interested to see how many people answer this if they do answer it. You know, truthfully, how many people would continue if they're staying? They're, they've bought their house right now. They've got a mortgage on it. How many people would continue to stay in their existing property right now if you had the choice to move anywhere else and it wouldn't cost you anymore? How many, how many would actually, would you stay in your property right now if you had a choice to move somewhere else and it wouldn't be any cost, it wouldn't be any hassle, you could just choose to move somewhere else? Would you still stay in that house? And I bet you your bottom dollar and the majority of people would actually answer, yes, I would probably move. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I would be interesting if people jump in the comments for answer to that, but yeah. I would say nine times out of 10 people will say they would, more than likely move yeah so, but yeah so we've established like the uk rental uh, market dynamics have shifted significantly mm -hmm. with legacy rents rising by 29 percent uh, and available rental stock has really dwindled um by 31 percent since 2020 as we, we looked at there so the bank england has highlighted the potential repercussions of this situation and its financial stability report uh, which was in summer 2023 noting that many landlords are likely to seek the rise in rents to offset their higher costs as they come off their fixed rate mortgages and thereby further exasperating again the difficulties for tenants particularly those on lower incomes uh, and lower savings, lower don't savings have a lot of yeah. Money the, yeah and don't have a lot of money in the bank um and the supply crunch in the rental market has led to increased competition among uh, prospective tenants and I've seen that firsthand with many properties being let almost immediately I mean turn back to last summer and the, the, last year it was just I've never seen property uh, and things behave the way and tenants behave the way that, that they did and it just shows the changes so um, and like I say let immediately to really high quality tenants with good incomes and things as well and this competition competition drives rents upwards and that's what pushes it uh, making it even more challenging for new tenants to find affordable housing and additionally the reluctance of existing tenants to move people are staying longer as well i mean i spoke about that today clearing higher rents elsewhere and then that contributes further to the shortage of available properties as fewer tenancies are ending and coming back into the market tenancies are mm -hmm. lasting longer and longer and i think we we uh, looked at our average tenancy um, length and i'm about i'm just running through figures for last year and I'll be able to then look at what how that's changed, and I quite confidently know that that will have increased uh, our average tenancy length will have increased from last year, uh, from the year previous uh, to 2023. Yeah, I'm getting people on TikTok actually saying they would move. Somebody says they would move just yeah. for the weather. <laughs> they're obviously on the west. They're obviously on the west coast, maybe. Um, so, some people, and, and there's another person says, yeah, they would probably move as well. You know, if they had the choice, and uh, rather than actually stay in their existing property right now, if there was no cost uh, to that at all um, for for moving. So it just shows you there is, you know, there's. I think there's a fair few people out of there. Um, so the situation, you know, particularly acute at the lower end, I take it, and in the price yeah. spectrum with availability of homes less than. A thousand pound a month has significantly declined. That, there's no surprise about that. Um, as mm -hmm. people possibly move into the Airbnb, uh, it makes it more challenging, tighter budgets to find more suitable housing. Uh, so the number for me is 740,027 properties are sub 1,000 per calendar month UK rental properties 
came onto the market in 2020. Yeah. That has dropped to 464,744 in 2023, a 37% yeah, drop in the number of properties on the market under a thousand pound per calendar month. In contrast, the market for premium properties over £2,000 per calendar month has seen an increase in availability of 52%. Wow. From 203,502 coming onto the rental market in 2020 to 310,516 in 2023, highlighting the stark disparities within the rental market. And it's true, I've seen it, I've seen it here. We've got a lot of higher value properties as well coming to the market. Who's able to uh, afford them? The mid-market stuff, yeah. <laughs> Who's able to afford that? Eh? Well, Who out there yeah. can afford £2,000 a month? Give me a well, job. I've, I've got, uh, <laughs> did you get me wrong? I, I, I just listed last week uh, a really nice one in Cellardyke, beautiful property, literally on the five coastal path. Looks yeah. right on, you could throw a stone into the tidal, the tidal pool. And the views is just amazing. One thousand nine hundred a month, and I thought, mm, I, was, I was a wee bit like, will it, will it struggle at that level? Because uh, that was kind of top end. I've got somebody viewing it tomorrow. Who is very I'm surprised? Where, because of where it is, but definitely yeah, it's a, well, a big attraction. Location, location is just amazing. So the implication of the trend of sorry, just to interrupt. I was no, told sorry. today. Sorry, I was told today that a uh, cellar dyke was referred to as the Cornwall of Scotland. Hmm. Okay. Just because of the, the, the shoreline and everything. And I thought that actually yeah. fits quite well. I think the people in Ely might dis disagree with that. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> and but, the people uh, in Crail might disagree with that. And the people in Astral and St Moran's yeah. might disagree with that. Um, but however, the, and the people in St Andrews might disagree with that as well. Eh? The implications of this trend are far reaching, affecting not only those currently looking to rent, but also the broader housing market. And the economy itself, you yeah. know, there's key data out in the last couple of days, you know, inflation's still at 4%, unemployment's uh, um, it's still under control to a degree, um, you've got base rates kept at the same amount as well, house prices in Scotland are up, uh, I think it's, I'm sure it was 3.3% year on year mm -hmm. um, in terms of that, and 1.7% and in Fife itself, so all these things are dynamics that will add to the the dare I say the ever worsening situation for tenants out there how yeah, on earth are we going to solve this problem yeah. and my answer to how on earth we're going to solve this problem is the council and the government need to get their finger out and start building social and affordable housing on mass scale now the amount of supply of housing necessary year on year has dropped by 27 percent in the UK in other words the number of transactional sales it has yeah. dropped by about 16% in Scotland, which means house builders are not selling as many houses as they probably would like to now. So why is the government not then going to them and picking up that slack, which will build for affordable housing and social housing as well, to so people can afford it, and at the same time, propping up the industry by what they're doing? They're not then giving a handout. They're just actually then, they're getting a double whammy here. They're getting the fact that they're getting new social housing and new affordable housing, and then they're also sustaining the industry and also sustaining the economy because all these people are still being jobs then, and they'll still be paying taxes towards the services, the public services that we direly need to fix these potholes. 
just going to say the roads. But yeah, you're totally right. I mean, building more affordable housing, social housing and things is a, a big part of the answer. But I think also as well, it's it's for investors and, and, and landlords to look at the opportunity. And it, people might say, well, how is this an opportunity for landlords in Fife? And obviously the current market could present a notable opportunity for Fife landlords. To do yeah. that, you must look at the background stats and the numbers in the Fife area. And we're going to look at Fife and we'll break it down by area as well. Um, and these are average monthly stock levels. These are quite interesting, especially when I break it down a bit. So the average monthly stock levels for private rented houses in Fife. Um, so that's yeah. KY, the, the entirety of Fife, KY1 through to 12, 14, 16. So in 2019, so we'll start back nine, there was 416 rental properties per month available in the Fife area. Go to 2020, it dropped to 342 properties. Mm -hmm. 2021, it dropped to 2,074 properties. 2022, it dropped further again to 225 properties. And yeah. last year, there was 173 rental properties per month available in the Fife area. Bloody hell. So that means some... that means effectively, and and since 2019. 416 rental properties so i've got my calculator out 173 yep. uh, 243 243 divided by 416 that means there's been a decline in the number of properties available by about about 60 percent since 2019. now i've got to say we knew this was coming everybody knew this was coming even the, even the governments knew this was coming so why on earth did the governments not then build more affordable and well I, I, I'm going to say more, but they've not even really built any anyway. So why have they not been? Why have they not put a plan into place? Why has the Scottish government cut the budget by two hundred million? We can't balance the books, so we're going to cut the housing budget by two hundred million. It's like that's the last budget you should be cutting. You should be building a whole lot more properties. Now the problem here is as well as as you've got properties to rent and landlords like ourselves, like me for example, are buying properties to rent. Uh, these are properties that are obviously currently tenanted, so I'm not taking any properties out of the stock. However, you have the council who is actually buying from the private market. The council are buying back existing properties, which normally people would buy to live in. So the council are actually causing a problem with buying back stock from the seller's market for their own rented market. So who is the person that's causing this problem now? It could be this council and it could be the government that's causing the problem. They're buying back their own stock from the sale market to use for rented accommodation for the social housing, but they're also taking that out of the sale market then for, therefore they're, they're losing a house for somebody that would otherwise stay in there. But they're also creating a house for somebody in the, in the, in the, in the rental market as well. Because despite the fact of what we all think, we still need houses for people to rent. Some people just don't want to buy. If you go on and let's take the Scottish government's example here, let's go to the Scandic countries. Let's go to the Iberian countries. Let's go to the European countries overall. And let's look at their dynamics. The majority of their properties are actually in the private rented sector and they rent. They do not own. They choose to rent. They choose to rent. That's their culture. And yet we are at a single island in its entirety and we've got a finite amount of properties because we're not building anymore. 
who actually is growing because we're bringing in people from abroad still. Net migration in Scotland's 20,000 every single year. So mm -hmm. therefore, you then have to find possibly 10 to 20,000 houses to accommodate for that. If you're not building any more houses and you're not building enough, the 25,000 a year that we're needing, as it stands, how are you going to make a dent in anything else? So if I was going to lay any blame at anybody's feet, it's not the private landlords, it's not the service accommodation people, it's not the owner-occupiers, it's right at the feet of the government for the lack of foresight for more than anything to actually plan ahead and realise this was coming. It's a ticking time bomb. Now I've mentioned time bomb, I'll probably be... I'll probably be downgraded on TikTok because I mentioned the word possibly. Yeah. <laughs> TikTok will be putting a restriction on my account saying, "Oh, we picked up a bad word there." <laughs> they do that usually, and and I think that's I think that's what it is. Yeah. You need a proper private renting sector in order to accommodate for that. That's that's yeah. the reality. And anybody that says anything different, and anybody that says this thing about you know you shouldn't own two homes and private landlords are this and private landlords are that. I'll, I'll challenge you and I'll say, take a good look at yourself and what have you done for tenants? What have you done for tenants' welfare? How many people have you put a roof over their head? That's what I would say to them out there. And as you see as well, Jim, and, and all these other countries and on the continent and things, it's it's just common practice and it's and their market is predominantly made up it's of common that. practice. So why, are we, why are we so different? But anyway, but these figures that I went through um, for the uh, available rental properties in fact, so I've, I've got a graph here actually, so I'll share this. So, you can see there, so we started, as I said, in 2019 with 416 rental properties per month available in Fife. And mm -hmm. as we come all the way through down to, and in 2023, we ended up 173 rental properties per month in the Fife area. So mm -hmm. as this decline, the average rent in the Fife area from 2020 was £650 per calendar month yep. to 2023, where it's up at £854 per calendar month. So if I could yep, draw okay. a line on that, it would, it would go in the complete opposite direction. So as the available amount of properties available has dwindled, Fife rents have risen by 32% and the available stock has come down to uh, come down by 49%. So, so, so it's a combination. So what we can say here is a combination of, of a number of factors. The, the demand, the supply of stock has actually decreased. Therefore, demand has actually gone up per property yeah. as a result of that. The costs of running a private rented property now have gone up significantly since the cost of living because everybody's got the cost of living affecting them, including landlords, because they have to pay the mortgages, remember. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to pay it, and it can't just, it's not a registered charity, you know, and even the registered charities have to pay it, and yeah. they're technically not a registered charity. <laughs> they're only doing that for tax purposes. That's the social housing providers. Um, I'll call them out on that, actually. They make a surplus, but it's really a profit because they need to reinvest it. They have to make a surplus to reinvest back in the stock and back in the welfare of the, or the, or the, or the actual the, the tenant's welfare as well. Uh, so there's a, it's, it's kind of like the perfect storm, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I do have uh, figures for, um, like, bear with me. So there is figures for, so that was Fife as a whole, as we looked at that, mm -hmm. that graph and those figures. If we break it down into areas within Fife, and we'll start with, say, Leedonmouth, for, for example. So 2019, um, the Leedonmouth area had 49 rental properties per month available. Now, throughout the years, that dropped to 2020. It had 30, 
2021 it had 21, 2022 it had 20, and then by the time we got to 2023, there was 16 rental properties per month available in the Leaving Mouth area. And that's then the Arby, mental. Leaving Mouth is a huge amount of demand. I know. And then the average rents in Leaving Mouth at 2020 were £477. And by last year, it was up to £609 per calendar month. So yeah. the rents have risen by 28% in the Leaving Mouth area, and the stock has dwindled by 47%. Mm. That's from 2020. Um, so, so you can see what's causing this problem. Then it's 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 just a, it's just it, it, I didn't even like to say it's the perfect storm, but that's what's re- that's what's really is defined that, as. That, yeah, it's yes, a number of combination yeah. factors. But we 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 looked at this before, um, and the fact that we we kind of saw this coming, and with the advent of service accommodation and the move over from some landlords to service accommodation in terms of that. And we need service accommodation, especially in some areas, yeah. because you need service accommodation because it provides for tourism because there's no hotels for anybody to stay in. And the great benefit to the local economy, it's got the service accommodation and the right mix means that there's going to be there. There's going to be people coming in to spend money in that area. Therefore, it sustains local jobs through the retail, um, the retail um, at the hub. So there's there's a there's a huge benefit to having a good mix of service accommodation combined with a good mix of private rented sector combined with a really good mix of social rented sector uh, combined with home ownership as well. But yeah. how do you get that perfect mix? That's the that's the difficulty here. And how does this affect the the buy to let market overall? And and mm-hmm. this is this is what's causing the problem. So it's easy to point the finger a private landlord and say it's all their fault for having all these properties and keeping all these properties but what you don't realize is 94 percent of landlords in scotland only have one property that's it five percent have two properties of or more uh, sorry just two properties and it's only one percent that have three or more properties so this rhetoric at landlords out there are cashing it in and coining it in is an absolutely fabricated lie to justify somebody's stance and the fact that they want to call a landlord a parasite. That's effectively what it's down to. They just want to vilify landlords because it suits their purpose. Maybe something else is happening in their life. It's just not so great that they just want to take it out in someone else. And it just so happens private landlords are in the shooting line just now. There's another one. Now we get. I'm definitely getting downgraded on TikTok. <laughs> mentioning <laughs> shooting and mentioning bombs. <laughs> uh, you'll probably get uh, cancelled in a minute. So, but, uh, but yeah, Can- the so cancelled. Yeah, you're totally right. But... <laughs> yeah, you're totally right, Jim. And um, but yeah, those trends that I was saying about the figures and things, obviously five and then leaving now, uh, re- uh, reflects that uh, areas like Glenropas. I mean, in 2019, rental properties per month were at 37. By the time we get to 2023, it was 15. So again, obviously, that has declined by about half. The average rent in Glenropolis 2020 was £539. By the time we come to 2023, it was £685. So rents uh, have risen in Glenropolis area, 27%. Stocks dwindled by 43%. Um, So same trend there again. Um, what will we look at East, East Nuke is actually interesting. So the East Nuke, um, now there's never a great deal of property available for rent, like long-term residential for rent in the East Nuke. So 2019 saw 10 properties per month available in the East Nuke area. 
and that come down a uh, seven in 2020 three properties available in 2021 2022 three properties available i actually jumped back up slightly to four properties available each month there's probably nothing available to rent in these new because that one property well, funnily enough, yeah, well, um, when I try and pull comps to go and see landlords in East Newark, majority of them are ours, but, um, and we don't do a great deal, do you know, but we have uh, most of the comparables because I just didn't see any other agents rent. But this is this is a lot down to the fact that the majority of properties probably in the rental sector are actually serviced accommodation in East Newark. Yes, because especially that's what I mean, in East Newark. The East yeah. Newark is predominantly, predominantly tourism, but this is when I go back to saying every single time about the East Newark. The East Nuke needs that balance. Yes, of course. I mean, you know, to be honest, you just need to build more houses in the East Nuke. That's what it's down to. More affordable houses, I would say. And the great thing is, you know, um, Lockheed Homes are actually, you know, in yeah. conjunction with um, Kingdom Housing, had actually built, uh, recently built 44 um, places um, at their, their site in St. Monans. And yeah. that's the kind of thing we need more of in these areas because people that actually work there, are not really flush in the shops and stuff like that. Some of the, you know, the work, the people that are employed in the shops are not flush. They need somewhere to live locally in order to service that market That's because yeah. they really can't live outside because it's got to be, it's it got to be really easier for them. So that's where affordable accommodation, it's like the NHS workers in London, you know, should get priority for, you know, NHS paramedics and stuff like that and doctors and that. They should kind of get some sort of priority because they're available, they need, to be, yeah. they need to be close to their work because yeah. it's saving people's lives. And people like the R&I and that, or the, the people that are actually at sea, all the emergency services and that, they should have some sort of access to this. Um, and the education as well, access to it as well. So everybody that contributes towards the aspiration of the area should have some sort of access to maybe affordable accommodation because they'll not be flush because they're not the business owner. Yeah. So they need a good mix of affordable social housing but they also there also has to be a private rented sector because the you know social housing really isn't for people that are earning 30 and 50 and 40 you know 60,000 a year and um, they can afford that um and these these people will more likely go to buy anyway they won't they won't really continue to rent but we do need a private rented sector in these areas because there is people that come in for a couple of years and work on secondment and then they're away again and that's the, but then you definitely need service accommodation for these areas because the argument is, I tell you what then, we'll get rid of all the holiday homes in the area. Let's see if you've got a job left. Yeah, I know. You won't because your job relies on that, the service accommodation, the tourism. Yeah, You're, people the people that buy in the shop. Yeah. yeah, the people that you deliver for, the people that have the takeaways. It's all people coming in the area for that. I mean, it's local people that keep the economy going on a day-to-day -day basis. But you have a huge influx of money and influx in, in the, and influx in the peak periods, yeah. So you have to balance it. So there, you know, you'll 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 always have one side. It, you know what it's like? It's like that picture that you see the old hag and the beautiful woman, and the picture is exactly the same picture that everybody's seeing. But some people see the beautiful woman in the picture, and some people see the old hag in the picture. And that's kind of what the what what these what this the debate is like. You have yeah. one side of the you know the people on the on the, for example, some of the um, tenant body associations like Shell, you know, jumping up and down saying it's ridiculous. You you shouldn't have second homes and all the rest of it. But the second homes are service accommodation, by the way, and the private yeah. renting sector. So there's tenants living in them permanently because that's what they choose to do. They, it's, they choose to do that. It's not because they don't want to do that. Um, so you've got that, 
But then you've also got the landlord side and the people on the land, well, basically the people on the landlord side saying, you know, well, we choose to put our capital into a property to put a roof over somebody's head rather than invest it in a pension. Because I see a pension as it involves investing in exploration, it involves investing in uh, smoking, bar industries, it involves investing yeah. in alcohol industries, it involves in investing in betting industries. And um, so I don't choose to invest my money into a pension because I think it takes advantage of people's addictions. Just another way of looking at it. I yeah. choose to put my investment and my money into putting a roof over somebody's head and looking after them as long as they want me to look after them. And then after that, if I'm done, I'm done. I sell up and I move on and I invest in something else. Yeah. No, it's true what you say, Jim. Um, that is a kind of two-sided, two-sided coin debate type thing. Um, but I agree with you. It's definitely needed for the area, and uh, East Newk uh, in particular as well. And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah mixed reviews about that. But even these small numbers um, of available rental properties throughout the years. Um, obviously, I see it started at ten down to four. It still shows the same trend as uh, Fife as a whole and the other areas in comparison, because rents uh, have risen by twenty eight percent from yeah. seven hundred twenty four pounds to nine hundred thirty pounds on average in the East Newk area. But stock has dwindled by forty two percent since twenty twenty. So it still shows mm -hmm. the same trend as other areas. Uh, like the uh, mouth area and um, and Glenrothes and things as well. I've got Cooper and St Andrews here. Will we quickly run through these? Cooper and St Andrews absolutely yeah. drilled down on these Cooper, numbers. Cooper um, in 2019 was 30 properties per month available for rent. 2020 brought it uh, come down to 22 a month. 2021 was 19. Or 2021 and 2022. Both had night that both showed 19 properties a month was available for rent yeah. in Cooper. By the time we got to 2023, there were 17 properties a month available for yeah. rent in Cooper. I think the Cooper situation, and are you going to do St Andrews next? Yeah, I've got St Andrews. Let's hear St Andrews and I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Right, so St Andrews um, started off in 2019 with 42 properties a month available for rent. Okay. 2020 brought it down to 39. It went back up again in 2021 to 41 properties. Mm -hmm. 2022 had 29 properties. And last yep. year, we had 32 properties available for rent each month in St Andrews. So the St Andrews effect and the Cooper effect has a lot to do as well as the university. Yes, because the, the university is... These two to the end. Yeah. The, the university in St Andrews has actually increased, their, their intake has increased quite a bit as well. And they're what, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, somebody could maybe correct me on this, but I've got a funny feeling their intake has gone up 20% in terms of the numbers. Plus the fact they made it even worse in St Andrews. And, you know, it, again, it's a, it's a you pay you pay your money, you take your choice. You, they, want, they wanted a ban on HMO. Yeah, so I they know. put a ban on HMO, therefore there wasn't a lot, you can't have, I think it's two or more unrelated people, or three yes. or more unrelated people. Three or more unrelated people in a property means it's got to yeah. be HMO, and if you've got a ban on HMO, and you've got a ban on new HMOs, and you've got a ban on possibly anybody trying to renew their HMO in the St Andrews area, then it's going to disseminate all these people in individual properties again, which is going to take up all that 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 suck up all that demand mm -hmm. and therefore it's going to make it worse overall hence the reason why we've seen some students actually choose to live in cooper and actually commute into st andrews yeah yeah but yeah that's a lot to do with that as well 
Yeah, I, le I left Cooper and St Andrews because uh, they are quite similar in terms of what they show in comparison to Fife as a whole and uh, yeah. indeed Linoffice and Leedmouth and East Newk. Rents have risen and Cooper they've risen for £660 up to £800 and that's a, a rise of 21%. And this, But the stock's only dwindled by 24% in comparison to 40 and 42% in other areas. And St Andrews likewise, rents have risen from 1156 um, to 1,477. So that's a rise of 28% in the rents, which we've seen in that kind of, that's on trend with other yeah. areas. But the stock's only dwindled by 18%. Yeah. So so here's my thinking. I mean, 25% of your salary um, yes. is apparently 25% below. It's affordable, according to the mm -hmm. Scottish government, according to Pascha Harvey. Um, yes. So therefore, uh, anything at a rental level of round about £680, £690 per calendar month is and below is actually extremely affordable and uh, as, as in the definition of what the Scottish government says. Now, yes. I know personally, and you'll know this, Richard, when I'm about to say this, is the majority of my rents are 500 or less every single month. So I am a very affordable landlord. Yeah. I do my social bit. <laughs> That's really going to get the folk on TikTok. <laughs> We've got a couple <laughs> of militants having a go. If you don't get banned first. Yeah, oh yeah. God, no! They've got the they've got the pitchforks and torches out already. They've, they've been going hell for leather on TikTok. Yeah, but it's so true. They, they, yeah, I do I, I do my bit, Richard. Um, I try to do my bit. I'm I'm still here. I don't know. There, there's a number of things, and I'll and. They'll know, listen, but just so people understand this, I am still in the buy to let market and I can still continue to buy property because I still believe I've got a purpose to put a roof over people's heads. That's it in a nutshell. Um, and, and it's at affordable level because I've always I've, it's always haunted me. The the Cook's report when they did a when they did a, an expose yeah. when I was about 16 years old, which is 40 years ago now, I hate to admit that. Uh, about 40 years ago when I used to, when I saw that and the cockroaches in London and stuff like yeah. that in their in their properties and I was appalled and I thought to myself god I could do something about that I could provide a better I service could better. I could provide it a more affordable price and if the numbers works everybody wins that's really what it comes down to yeah and obviously you're demonstrating there that as a landlord in comparison you, you are a very affordable landlord but if we look at and taking these stats that I've just went through and Fife as a whole, the escalation of rental prices really does kind of signify a robust income stream for Fife property investors. And this is particularly advantageous in a market where we've got such high demand and uh, and it shows properties are let swiftly because there's that demand yeah. there. And often it's to really high quality tenants who are sometimes willing to pay a premium. Uh, for scarce housing options in certain areas and things, they'll, they'll more than, without even asking them sometimes, I've had people saying, I'll, I'll pay extra, I'll pay more and tell the landlord I'll pay this. And do you know what, that's how, that's how high demand has become. And for five landlords, this means not only an immediate increase in their rental income, but also uh, the prospects of a sustained longer term uh, profitability. Now, I know people don't like to say profit, but... Hey, profitability. Yeah. Listen, I keep going back to saying, Richard, you have to make a profit in order to reinvest back in the property. Yeah, Where do you think a new kitchen comes from, a new bathroom comes from, new double glazing, a new door, new carpets, a new... It doesn't come out... It's profitability. It pays for that. You have to yeah. be profitable to pay for it. If you're not profitable, nobody's got a house. 
they're, they're on the streets. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think as long as you're a landlord who's committed to reinvesting and 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 keeping your stock um, at a certain level, then you need that profit to be able to do that and to be able to provide a certain standard of property for tenants to keep them in, yeah. in, in a good uh, level of uh, living standard. So yeah, profitability, yeah, definitely as market dy dynamics push price rents that ever higher. But furthermore, the challenging mortgage landscape with rising buy-to-let mortgage rates with high percentage mortgages um, has meant more landlords leaving the market, thereby reducing competition and potentially increasing the demand for the existing five rental properties Legislation is making it a lot worse as well. You know, course, there's, yeah. no, there's no surprise that the Minister for Tenants, Patrick Harvey, caused this problem. Mm -hmm. he, he, he contributed to this by actually putting rent controls in place and, and, and regulation, huge amounts of regulation in terms of six months moratorium. You had to get six months rent and then a moratorium on evictions. He caused this problem and he actually made the stock less because a lot of landlords left as a result of that. Now, that's a fact. And that's the government that's caused that problem. The so-called Minister for Tenants. Clearly not the Minister for Tenants at all. The Minister yeah. for his own pocket, I would say, because he's 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 got on a nice salary and he's travelling the world on the public purse. <laughs> and 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 he's not prepared to let that go, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and as we go through these this these circumstances, and it's a, it's a really unique set of circumstances. And Ultimately, it presents an opportune moment for current landlords and investors and things to capitalise on the five pro their five property investments and and, yeah. and really leveraging the tight supply uh, to secure the, themselves tenants and maybe get higher rentals and things and and really attract and really enhance the attractiveness, attractiveness of their own of the properties. properties yeah. But then that leads us to say, well, what about the tenants? So, well, what about the absolutely tenants, as the UK? Well, as the UK grapples. Um, with the challenge of the rental market landscape, the mul this multifaceted approach is needed to address the underlying issues. Um, this includes considering the impact on mortgage costs for landlords, the affordability of rents for tenants, and the overall ability of rental properties in itself. Um, the government need to build more homes. That is a fact. Yet, excluding land, the building costs of a UK property start from £163 per square foot. That means a three-bedroom semi is a minimum of a 1,000 feet per square feet. The most conservative estimate um, shows that Britain is approximately 2 million households short now. Britain is approximately 2 million households short for our population, meaning the bill for those additional 2 million homes would be three hundred and twenty six billion pounds and that is excluding the land for context the nhs costs 181 billion a year it's yeah. almost double the cost of the nhs to just catch up with the two million households that we're now short of now can you see and understand why we have a rental crisis, why we have a social housing crisis, why we have a affordability crisis, why we have a, a, a private rent and sector crisis, why we have a homeless crisis overall. The government is back two million households short behind so, in I mean, the numbers. What, what do the government spend now on housing? 
I mean, it sounds like nothing, Oh my but... God. 17.35 billion a year is spent on housing, which would need to increase to 49 billion a year. For the next 10 years, Richard, for the next 10 years, to pay for these 2 million homes. To give you an idea of what this would cost taxpayers, I've, I've done my numbers, it will okay. cost taxpayers to do this, to create these 2, two million homes, income tax would need to rise by 5.81 pence in the pound to pay for the additional homes. So in other words, you, never mind your 20%, you'd have to pay 26% income tax as the basic. That's every single taxpayer. Yeah, every single taxpayer in Britain would have to pay another six pence. So what does that work? So just say over the course of a year, for the average person, what would that work out? That's literally just under a £1,000 extra a year. Everybody would have to put their hand in their pocket and pay another thousand pound just to solve the housing crisis. A thousand pound extra out of your hand, and it's no coming straight off your top line. It's coming right off your bottom line it's right, because yeah. it's it's out of your pocket. So every every for every taxpayer for the next ten years, you'd have to pay every single taxpayer, no matter if you're on the lowest tax band possible, no matter if you're on the poverty line in a taxpayer, you would have to pay. £10,000 over the next 10 years in total. That is not a vote winner. Hence the reason why they want to castigate private landlords and blame it all on us. Yeah. And get it's all their fault. Yeah. It's all their <laughs> fault. Yeah. Every single thing. Yeah. That's what everybody really. says. That's what your tenant associations say. Because they listen to what the government says and they jump on board with it. Because nobody wants to support private landlords because it ain't a vote winner. Why do you think the private? Why, why do you think the Tory parties know that popular in Scotland? Mm -hmm. Because we're a we're a social we're a social nation in Scotland. We've got a different culture in Scotland. Therefore, when the Tory party go, well, we're going to do we're going to support private landlords because they do in some shape or form, or, or we're going to you know they don't resonate for that reason. That's why people alternatively would rather vote Tory. They end up voting Liberal Democrat. Let's be honest, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Because you just can't quite put yourself to the labour, yeah, and, 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 and you just yeah. you just don't want to possibly do SNP right now because they're falling apart. Possibly, yeah. you know that's that's the reality. That this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. I have beaten this drum for possibly around coming up for twenty years about the mm -hmm. lack of council housing and the fact that they need to replace the stock, and it's not for the want of. It's not for the want of it falling on the right ears, because you know yourself, Richard, I was the chief executive or the chairman of the National Landlord Association in yeah. Scotland. I dealt with the Scottish government direct in the early 2000s, and I was beating this drum all the time at that point in time. I have never stopped advocating for proper social and affordable housing. And that's what people don't realise. Private landlords would like affordable and social housing as well. It provides for the mix. A private yeah. landlord should ultimately only be renting to people that can afford it and are short-term lets. That's what our market was set up for. That's what our market was set up for in the first place. We yeah. were never set up to keep tenants for years and years and years. That was never what our that was never what the private rent sector was for. But unfortunately, we're having to take up all that slack now and accommodate for that market. We have no choice because the government is doing nothing about it. 
Yeah, and more social housing, like you say, Jim, it would provide for the mix definitely, which is what it should be like. It should be, but obviously, it's the not. government needs to intervene and have a strategic plan. And the difficulty is, tenants face in finding affordable homes will likely persist as a result, with potential mm -hmm. long-term implications for housing the market and the broader economy itself. And meanwhile, British landlords must pick up all the pieces and continue to buy properties. We've no, we've, literally, I wouldn't say we've no choice. We do have a choice because we, we could put our money somewhere else. But I've got to admit, it is a good return right now, but it's a long-term game. It's not It's not for the faint heart It's mm -hmm. not a short-term profit exercise. There's a huge amount of costs that go up in the beginning in order to finance that. I'll give an example. The cost that I've just paid for these 30 properties up front, which is money in the fire, is literally... £75,000 for the 30 properties we just bought. That's just the cost up front. By the way, the deposit on top of that then, uh, for that 75000 comes to round about 500000 You tell me how many people out there have got 575000 that they could just buy 30, 30 properties like that. It's not mm -hmm. possible. It is impossible for somebody to do that. Therefore, this rhetoric about private landlords are coining it in every two settings is just, and it's just, it's old news. Change the record. It's the biggest lot of shite ever. And in the grand scheme of things, when you think about it, and this is going to say, but it's only 30 properties. When you think about what we're short of, you know, and, and, and there's no way other landlords could, could even dream of picking up that kind of, amount of properties in one go mm. and it's just a it's just a small amount in the, in the grand scheme of things but my heart really goes out to the five tenants uh, yeah. the tenants right across scotland and right across the uk um you know having to pay these increased rents and and yeah. but the market is the market and we cannot we can't control that really i would love i would love for the scottish government and i i, I pitched this years and years ago to um scottish homes actually you know the community of scotland which actually funded all these projects on our bill to rent policy. And I pitched to them at the idea about the fact that why do you not become the, why do you not contribute substantially towards the capital and be a, be a joint owner in mm -hmm. the private landlord's property? And that will allow them to bring the cost down considerably to, a, to an affordable uh, market rent. Well, not an affordable market rent. It's not a market rent anyway. An affordable rent, like a social housing rent. Because yeah. the, the, the cost to us, the extra cost to us is really the interest. And if we didn't have the interest and if they paid, if they financed that and they financed that for us and had joint ownership in the property, therefore, the, 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 the rent would be able to come down as a natural natural result of that. And they would take the, the hit for the finance cost. And therefore, yeah. the tenant would, we would be able to house loads of tenants at really affordable rents. But they didn't go for it. They didn't see any of that. And I, and I still believe that they've, they've reaped what they've sown it. So it has been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt in Scotland and around the world that rent controls do more harm than good. Um, so I hope that the government grasps the nail and finally does something to sort out housing issues and for all in, in the medium to long term. Yeah. I'd be interested to know other people's thoughts on that. It would be interesting to hear what people think about that. And it's true what you say, Jim. Landlords and investors and things are, are being left to pick up the pieces and, 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 and buy property. So I think given what we've just discussed today and went through in the stats and things use that use this opportunity uh, if you I think, can um i think most people I, I think benefit. most people i think most people 
don't realise that I started off homeless and unemployed and lived in rented accommodation and had to navigate the housing benefit system when I first started. Yeah. I know what it's like for people out there. And I know it is it is absolutely drastic. It's like, you know, it's it's you're actually and for people trying to get back into work as well, especially being on benefits, especially getting getting help and support through local housing allowance and universal credit, it's almost impossible because the incremental cost that you get as a result of, you know, trying to get back into work is greater than actually just staying on benefits. You'd be better just no bothering. So there's there's a difficulty of the transitional period. A tenant, you know, it has to live in affordable accommodation. It has um, because of that situation that they're in. So I know exactly what it's like because I lived it um, when I was in my, my early 20s. Yeah. So for people out there to sit and go, well, you, what do you know? You're just a profiteer and all the rest of it. It's like <laughs> there's a lot more to it than you think. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people may think, oh, you, like, how do you know? But been there, been done there and done it. Been yeah. there and done it. And I, and, I, and, I, and I remember it was like, well, you've got to pay. You've actually, you've. I had to pay more council tax than somebody on benefits because I was going to college. Yeah. I wasn't available for two full-time work. Therefore, because I wasn't available for full-time work, I wasn't entitled to any help or support. That's mental, eh? I know. Somebody goes back to college to better themselves, to get a better job, to get off of benefits and welfare, and the system penalises you for that. So it's almost like the system's holding holding people back. It, it, it is it is the poverty trap at what people talk yeah. about. You know, there is there is definitely a poverty trap out there, and, out and that issue needs to be resolved. And and I don't think politicians clearly understand what what the what the problem is they really need to solve. They just see what they need to solve is stop throwing this money into a black hole. Whereas I see it from a totally different perspective is what you need to solve is you need to give people a hand up rather than a hand out. Yes. And that is a number of multifaceted approaches in order to help the people out of poverty overall. And and I don't think they'll ever get it right because there's too many fingers in the pie. Yeah, that's that's that's. Do you know when you say that? I think of the thing. It's like to give somebody a fish to eat for a day, give them a rod. Still, do you know what I mean? Teach them how to fish, and they'll yeah. fish for life. Yeah. And we need to teach more people to fish. Again, that goes back to the education. See how it all comes in, and then yeah, people go, yeah. "Well, what are you stepping on my toes for?" <laughs> it's like you're stepping <laughs> on my, you know, because that's what yeah. happens into oh, yeah. in 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 house fighting. Because like you're stepping on my toes now, and, and it's all these different multifaceted approaches that cause this problem because everybody wants to have their own domain. Um, so I don't think this is never going to be solved overnight, especially we've got a two million homes uh, deficit here um, right throughout the UK. It needs to be there needs to be some sort of uh, sticking your spade in the sand or in the dirt and saying, right, we need to do this on a long term basis. And we can't allow any successive government to come after us to interfere with this policy. It has to be committed to by everybody and not not repealed. Uh, because we know, we know this, Richard, and we've talked about this often, how, uh, well, look at Shelter's old um, slogan. And I, I completely agreed with that. Bad housing wrecks lives. Mm -hmm. and, and I tell you what, when I stood up at the Shelter conference and I went, Bad housing wrecks lives. You're absolutely right. 
every single one of their chins dropped. <laughs> and they thought, sorry, this is a private landlord saying bad housing wrecks lives and agreeing with us. Absolutely, yeah. it does. The number of benefits that people will have out of having proper housing and therefore it will probably lead to proper education because they can now learn because they've no got damp in their house and everything like that. And then it will possibly lead to a better quality of life through their through their diet. Um, and then also everything it's a rising tide lifts all ships. And I don't I don't think people are get I don't think I don't think people understand that approach should be taken overall and the overall welfare of it. It's like when I was spoke about the hundred houses that were meant to be built in Buckhaven. I went, how are they not getting built? And one of the councillors said to me, Well, the price to build them is greater than the price that they will be when we go to when when they were val when they're valued once they're built. Because mm -hmm. that there's only a finite price in that area. Yeah. Sorry. You're no selling them. Yeah, I know. No, it's a long-term investment in people's yeah. futures. You're no selling them off. So it's not about the price of the end product. It's what it's the benefit, the cost benefit of what it'll do for the community and what it'll do for the people that actually live in it. And that can't be quantified. Yeah. But it can't a degree. You're speaking to somebody that does things like that and can quantify cost benefit analysis. Well, you know that, Richard. Yeah. Quantify cost benefit analysis of intangibles about the education standards, about the diet, about the, the, therefore, there's no need to have health. There's no need to use the NHS or anything like that because their social welfare is far better. They don't need to go to the doctor ultimate times because the, their health isn't that great because the housing has been provided them for them and their welfare okay, is provided for as well yeah. as a natural result of that. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things, I would say, overall, it would benefit this. Uh, definitely. Okay, let's wrap up there because I can go in for this forever. Yeah, no, no, but <laughs> and I know you've got things to do. I know that's very interesting, though. But uh, yeah, a lot of good points made. And um, as I say, obviously, um, if you're a landlord and investor, look at this as an opportunity and and, and not look at the bad side. Um, housing is needed, and the private rented sector, um, that's where it's fallen back to at the moment. Although, as you say, Jim, they may be vilified, but they're definitely well, needed at the moment. I'll look forward to the day that we're no longer needed. Yeah. And that means we've got adequate housing in Britain. But that's two million homes away. Just going to say that's a long way away. But, yeah, uh, but no, good. that was a really good show. Thanks for that, Jim. Uh, thanks for everybody tuning in. Uh, Graham, we did see you in the afternoon, afternoon for joining in, in the comments there and anybody else. And we did ask for a few, few questions through there. If you're watching on the rerun, do put your answer into the questions. We'll, we'll pick it up uh, and, and try and respond. But it's good to hear feedback. Uh, and I know you were getting some instant feedback on TikTok there, Jim, but uh, yeah, that's us. <laughs> okay, keyboard warriors. <laughs> right, they've, probably okay, done, they've probably done nothing throughout their whole life, but they're happy just to criticise on the sidelines where there are people that are actually doing something in the arena. We will uh, we'll end it there, guys. So that was brilliant. Thanks for that, Jim. Bye-bye for now. Bye.